We have a feast set before us that we're going to enjoy in communion together in just a moment. But here we read in Exodus 12 the recipe for a lamb for a Passover of the Lord passing over his people. In chapter 12, we read of the first Passover. And it's important that you note that it's the visiting of the tenth plague upon Egypt. For the previous, but for the previous nine plagues, the Lord has set apart the people of Israel, his children, in their land and their livestock from the other nine. So that when the hail came, it fell upon Egypt livestock and crops and land, but it did not fall on the Israelites in the land of Goshen. And when the gnats came or the frogs came, when each of the plagues came, the Lord did not visit it upon his people. But now, with the tenth, he says, every household, every household in Egypt and every household in Israel will experience the tenth plague. The firstborn of every household, the firstborn of every animal, the firstborn shall die as a representation of my judgment, of my being rejected as God, as my words of instruction being rejected, that I'm going to visit that with judgment. But for my people, there's a means of grace. There's a means, there's a provision of mercy. There is a way of deliverance. But you must take it. You must apply it. If you by faith believe me, if you and your household and your family believe in me, then you must take the tool that I present before you, you must take that tool of grace and use it. It's called the means of grace that we take by faith. When Wendy and I were recently away with Mission to the World for training in Atlanta, and training and interviewing and praying and working with our uh, denominational mission board regarding a call to serve in Scotland. And on the return uh, trip, we had promised Emerson, our granddaughter, that we would bring her a present from being away. I brought her an easy-bake oven. Now, when they sell an easy-bake oven, they have the easy-bake oven on the shelf, and then they have all of the little boxes of recipes, the, the little cake mixes. Now, you would be wrong if you just bought an easy-bake oven without the recipe. And you would be wrong if you set the easy-bake oven and the box recipe out 
just to look at. That's not what an easy bake oven is made for. That's not what this table is made for. This table is not made to simply look at it. And the sacrifice of the lamb, even when sacrifice was not made to simply look at the sacrifice that the lamb was made to deliver us, you must bake the recipe and you must eat it to get the full benefit. We must not only look at this table, but we must eat it. And we must eat it completely and wholly. We must not only look at Christ and observe Him dying for us, but we must take Him. We must seize Him. And we must eat Him. Consume Him. Not simply look. Let's look at the Scriptures for just a moment. It tells us in verse 2 that this began a new calendar year for the Israelites. This month, it says, this month will tell all the congregation this is the beginning of months. It shall be the month of the year for you. Now Moses and Aaron are instructed by God to go and to tell the Israelites You're going to have a new calendar, not an Egyptian one. Why? Because you're going to be a new nation. You're no longer of the nation of Egypt as their slaves and servants. You're going to have a new identity. And your new identity is marked with a new calendar. And it begins this day. Now this is not the day of the Passover. We read that the day of the Passover itself is over in verse 6. You shall keep it, that's the lamb, until the 14th day of this new month, of this new year. But he's saying, go and tell them now. Now. Even as they look forward to that deadly night of the Passover that they're already marked out as my people, and they can look forward to this new identity as they enjoy. Do you have a new identity in Christ that is reflected in your calendar? Do you have, how do you celebrate each day of the month as your new identity in Christ? Is it found in your setting apart some space of that day in the calendar month for devotions, for prayer, for hearing God's Word? Verse 3. In verse 3 and 4, every household in the congregation, that is in the nation of Israel, every household was to take a lamb. Now they would take this lamb in the busyness of life. Think about it. Each one, when when Moses first went back, when he came out of the wilderness to the people, to the nation of Israel, he said, God has sent me here. And I am going to go to Pharaoh and I'm going to say, let God's people go. 
So off to Pharaoh he goes. And he asks with a prayer and a hope, even an expectation, that God or that Pharaoh would let them go. But he did not. And then there's plague one and plague two and plague three and plague four and plague five and plague six and plague seven and plague eight and plague nine. And now Moses comes back and said, this is it. They are surely, he is surely, by God's word, he is surely now going to let us go. So be ready on this night. But they would have started to get ready way back even before plague one. Moses doesn't come to them in verse 3 and 4 here and say, okay, go take a lamb because you're getting ready for an exodus. No, they would have been getting ready for the exodus. They would have been disposing of things. They would have been preparing things for a move and an exodus all along. They would have been busy, is my point. And now Moses and Aaron come and says, Oh, by the way, by the way, go buy a lamb. Go select one that is without blemish. It's innocent. And take care of it. Take care of this little lamb for 14 days. Take care of it for 14 days. In the busyness of life, they were to take care of a lamb. In the busyness, in the haste for a huge transition out, they're to take care of a lamb for a sacrifice. Again, I see a word to my own heart here. That in the busyness of life, don't neglect the lamb. And that lamb has a great purpose. We read in verse 7 that the the purpose of this lamb, that at twilight, verse 6, that at the purpose of this lamb in verse 7, that it was to be slaughtered. And that they were to take that blood and paint it over the doorway. Why blood? You know, I, I think particularly with our children present, you we need to be prepared to answer them. Why is Christianity such a blood-preoccupied, bloody business? Why blood? Well, the blood represents life. Innocent blood represents an innocent life. The innocent blood of a lamb When applied on guilty blood, it covers it, it cleanses it, and it consecrates it. Consecrates it by setting apart now to be seen as covered and cleaned and consecrated as holy in the eyes of God. It's not enough to know about Christ It's not enough to recount his sacrifice. You must come under that blood. You must say, I I repent of my guilty, bloody life, and I ask and receive his blood, his life, covering me, applied to me, so that when God now looks at me, he sees through the death and the shed blood 
covering my life. And he counts me as alive in Christ and a new child. And then they have all these instructions. Again, what if they just did that and then stopped and kind of kicked back? But no, taking God at his word, they get the lamb, they slay the lamb, they apply the lamb's blood around there, they roast the lamb, they spit, cook it, they get the herbs, they get the unleavened bread, they get all of these things together. Meanwhile, many of them, as we're doing now, would invite their neighbor to come and to share the lamb with them, that it might all be consumed, not just a little bit representative of what they were doing, but that it would be all consumed. There was a lot to do. And they did it, again, not to earn God's favor, but they did it because of His promised favor. They were already beginning to enjoy the benefits by promise of their deliverance. When are you delivered from death? Christian, when did your deliverance come? Well, actually, you can say, most will say, well, it became when I became a Christian. When I said, not my blood do I want to be judged. I received the blood of Christ, and on His behalf, count me as a son or a daughter, and I will follow you. I will continue to hang on to this lamb. I will continue to take of this lamb. But it also, you're being delivered now. On the cross, He conquered death and sin. But now, He is cleansing you and healing you and He's making you into that son and daughter. Some of us, quite painfully. He's knocking off a corner here. He's chiseling out something with trial here. But He is delivering me from myself. But there's yet a promise of a final deliverance that I will not realize until I die. I won't realize until in my deathbed and then just beyond that I am passed over. There is a day that is promised to me, but I only will know it now by faith. The Passover that took place that night had not occurred, but they're saying by faith, faith we're taking this lamb's blood that one day when I break this bread and when I eat this when I drink this cup today I'm saying I need not fear death I know that I'm going to be passed over for life I know that when the morning comes I'm just as sure as I go to sleep tonight full of bread and full of wine full of lamb that I'm going to walk out in the morning alive And he says to us as Christians, every time you celebrate this table, you need not fear death. You need not fear the trials in this life. You need not fear the other side. For you are going to walk out of the grave just as sure as Jesus did into a new day, into a new morning with him. Man, that dog a hunt. So there was a lot to do. So they ate it in verse 11 ready to go. This is the night we've been getting ready for. They ate it with confidence that they were going to be passed over and that they were going to go to a new and promised land. 
Now this Passover took place over every house. It didn't matter if you were Pharaoh and the richest or if you were in the dungeons and you were the poorest. But this Passover would not visit inside the house of those that were set apart by the blood of the Lamb. And that blood, in verse 13, was both a sign and a seal. It was a sign so that when God Himself, He didn't, he didn't simply send an angel. I know we talk about the death angel. But this is too important to be left to simply an ambassador angel from heaven. God Himself comes and He says, I will not visit in rightful judgment that house right there. I won't visit that house right there. Don't stop there. You know why? Not because it's simply X'd out to me and I don't know the occupants. It's marked out in blazing colors that by the blood of that Lamb, which foreshadows in John 1.29 when John the Baptist, who knows his Old Testament, John the Baptist sees Christ approach for the first time and he says, Behold, that's, that, that's the Lamb. That's the Lamb of God who will die to take away the sins of the world. God says, that house is sealed to me as mine. That's mine. Don't, I don't touch my children. And it's, it's a sign and a seal. It, when I participate in this table, everybody in the room, when you see me drink this cup, when you see another person eat this bread, you say, that, that's one of his right there. What does that mean? They're not only my neighbor. I look at my, my neighbor's house. I kind of look out. I can't go outside. I've already painted my door. But I look out and I see my neighbor painting his. It's, well, he's in. And they're not simply my neighbor. That's my brother. That's my sister. May we be mindful in our fellowship how we treat God's mind fellow brothers and sisters. But it's also sealed to us. Paul talks about this in Ephesians where he says, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not even feel like it. You may still feel rotten as a sinner and that's a part of God saving us from ourselves that we might repent and repent every day of our life. But in our hearts, there's a Holy Spirit and you'll know this voice that says, you're mine. The Holy Spirit confirms, not even by our actions, but our heart that says, though our hearts condemn us, He does not. Though an errant child, I am still His child. It's sealed to us by the very blood of the Lamb that we celebrate this morning. And then finally, He says in verse 14, that this day shall be a memorial. And if you were to look over into um, the, the, the future verses, he says that this is going to be something, in verse 25, when you come to the land that you didn't have, when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as He has promised, you shall keep this service. So he's saying, do this tonight. Do this 
tonight, the 14th day of your new calendar year as a new people. And then recognize as you eat, I'm taking you as a new people to a new earth, a new place, a new land, your land. I promise it to you. And when you get there, you're going to eat this again. You're going to remember that I kept my promises. And this is going to cause you to reflect. Every They would celebrate this annually. So every year you take this, it's a sign that you're destined for the promised land. Joshua, in chapter 5, we read, While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, in the evening on the plains of Jericho and on the day and the day after the Passover on that very day they ate of the produce of the land they began to enjoy the benefits of the promised land and on that day the manna ended Jesus Christ in Luke 22 said as he looked around the table, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So this table goes back to our deliverance as an ancient people with a new identity as sons and daughters from the bondage and cruel treatment of Egypt. But it also points to our own future promised land, the new heaven and the new earth that we will enjoy with God. And that is a promise that Jesus Christ celebrated with His disciples connecting. It's the Passover but I'm going to, and I'm going to celebrate it with you, but there's coming a day in the future when I will celebrate it with you again. That's hearkening to Revelation, 22, uh, Revelation 9 where we talk about the wedding feast of the Lamb. So we mark this day as a memorial. And what we're going to do in just a moment when you're served the worship team is going to be playing some songs that we can reflect upon, but you're going to have an opportunity to serve one another. And in that, I want to encourage conversation. I want to encourage, like, huddling with our neighbors on that Passover night, that we would talk with one another. Some suggestions... Talk as you are led, but some suggestions are to talk about what is your walk with Christ like? How do you take the Lamb into your calendar? What does it look like for you in your walk with Christ to take Him wholly? Not just to pick and choose the good parts of the Lamb, but to take His yoke, to take His cross as well as to await taking and sharing His crown. What do you think about when you reflect on a future 
meal, a future Passover, with the lamb, not simply in the menu, but at the head of the table as a host. That we might not only be spiritually nourished as God feeds us with Christ from His table, but we might be encouraging of one another as we gather together the households of two rivers around this table to celebrate and reenact even the Passover night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would take and set aside these elements, this bread and this wine, for your holy purpose, which is to unite us as your sons and daughters gathered in one household around a long table that we might raise a glass and eat the bread in celebration of our deliverance that has come, that is being done, and will come by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And to this end we pray in His name. Amen.